0: Welcome to DealCast, the weekly M&A podcast presented to you by MergerMarket and SS&C Intralinks. I'm Juliana Needham. In this episode, we're looking at the record number of European IPOs that have taken place so far this year. I'm joined by Sophia Sakera, ECM Editor for EMEA. Hi, Sophia. Hi, Juliana. So thanks very much for joining me. It's been a record-breaking 2021 so far for IPOs. Can you give us some of the headline figures? Sure. Yes, 2021 is breaking records all around.
1: Just to give you an idea, global equity capital markets have seen $1 trillion worth of issuance. To put that in context, 2020 hit that mark for the first time ever at the end of the year. This year, we're already there and we still have three months to go. Now, EMEA and, and Europe in particular has played a key role in that overall trend. Total issuance there has um, come to two hundred and eighty billion dollars across more than eight hundred deals. The interesting bit is that IPOs have massively contributed to that in the last five years we've had usually between fifteen to thirty five billion dollars raised through listings in one year in any given year. Um, this year, nine months in, and we've already seen Seventy-one billion raised across 354 deals. Last year, the total was 110 deals. So that shows
0: how this has been a stellar, a stellar year on all fronts. And can you talk through some of the blockbuster listings we've seen this year?
1: Yes, we've um, had deals for everyone's taste, really. Um, although there's been a clear bias towards TMT and uh, tech and tech-enabled stories, and also a huge um, focus on big listings, so l- large cap. Uh, names. If we look at the podium, for example, in terms of deal size, we've had Inpost, uh, a Polish parcel locker company that we might have not heard about, but that um, is capitalizing on that huge e-commerce trend. And they've raised $3.9 billion um, in Amsterdam earlier this year. Uh, then we had, for example, Vodafone listing their tower business, Vantage Towers in Germany. And on the third place, AllFunds, which is a Spanish tech uh, fund tech platform that listed in Amsterdam. More recently, um, just now in September, uh, Azelis, a, a Belgium-based chemicals firm, uh, raised 1.8 billion in Brussels. And the interesting thing is that they did it in a flash, Book Build closed in two days. Um, and it's a company that is a specialty chemicals company that puts a big emphasis on their um, formulations with minimal or no hazardous substances. Which really um, shines on on the ESG trend, and you know, the capitalising on those ESG credentials, which are becoming increasingly crucial for investors.
0: And those are some of the biggest listings we've seen. Can you talk us through some of the most successful listings? Yes. The interestingly, the most successful aren't always the blockbusters. So
1: often the deals with the best aftermarket performance aren't the big ones or the ones that everyone's paying attention. For example, ATG, uh, Auction Technology Group, uh, a company that is taking auctions online, they've been the top performer uh, this year. Their uh, shares have surged 180% since the listing. Um, Other notable deals, for example, Hemnet, a Swedish classifieds group. Uh, Trustpilot, which we may know from the, you know, when we're looking for reviews online, um, and also All Funds, which I mentioned earlier, they have all done very well with performance of about 40% up since since the listing. Um, another interesting success is that of Bridgepoint, the private equity firm. Uh, it's a type of deal that we haven't
0: seen much in the past, but that has been very well received by the market in in July. But it hasn't been good news across the board, has it, for companies listing? Can you outline some of the more challenging IPOs that you've seen? That's right. It has
1: been a a mixed bag in terms of performance. And even just today, ICAD Sante, a French company uh, focused on healthcare real estate, uh, pulled its listing despite having covered its IPO book. They cited market conditions, and there was, in fact, a spike in, in volatility. So we can tell that even though the market is wide open, not everyone is able to, to list successfully. Um, the real flop of the year has been Deliveroo, though, and that's the one that people keep coming back to. It was meant to be the uh, tech darling of the London Stock Exchange, and you know, it was meant to show people that the UK was open for business when it came to tech listings. But investors were really critical of its lack of ESG credentials in relation to workers' rights. And the syndicate. They just didn't get the pricing right. So shares sunk about 30% on their debut. Um, the stock then briefly came above the IPO price, but it is trading again in the red. Uh, and there are lots of questions around its profitability, those ESG topics. And also as restaurants reopen, there's also the question of whether demand will stay up as, as people start to go out a bit more.
0: And Putting aside Deliveroo, what's driving the flurry of IPOs? I mean, obviously, the market was largely shut. It was, it was massively uncertain last year with the start of the pandemic. And arguably, it's been uncertain much of this year as well, although we've had the huge fiscal stimulus across the globe, which has, has kept things largely afloat. But, but what, what is driving the flurry? It is true
1: that despite some. Uh, you know, spikes in volatility, the market has been incredibly open and welcoming. I think it's really about the all-time high valuations. So as investors, they, as they look for yield and, and, and they find that inequities, that is driving prices up. And so government stimulus, low treasury yields, those have contributed to the attractiveness of equities. And so when a company looks at their peers and sees that they're trading at very appetizing valuations, they go, why not? A listing becomes a very attractive option. At the same time, the type of vendors considering an IPO is widening. So it's not just private equity, for example, which has played no small part in the boom. uh, Private equity has been a huge source of deals. But then we're also seeing lots of different types of uh, vendors. So founders bringing their companies to market, VCs, corporates uh, reorganizing their units and, and listing separate divisions. So the supply has been incredible. And it has also been very good in terms of quality. So very large assets, very high quality, and that has kept up demand as well.
0: And do you think the European market is becoming more tech-friendly? Obviously, most of the big technology companies list in the US, but is Europe being seen as a, a, a good option?
1: I think I think to a certain extent, yes. Some companies still go to the US. So for example, European assets that decided to list in, in the U.S. They see include Oatly, you know, the, uh, the Swedish oat milk brand, um, on-demand trainers, Swiss trainers, um, but also on the tech side, Sport Radar, also a Swiss company that listed in the U.S. But in fact, we've seen quite a few listings in, in Europe. So uh, for example, the you know, All Funds Dark Trace has been quite successful as well in the U.K. So there's definitely space for that. I think the interesting thing is that it's not just about the U.K. The UK has changed. It has consulted on changing some of its rules, and it, it can allow for dual-class chairs, for example. Um, so it, it is trying to welcome more tech companies. It's it's putting a big, uh, putting lots of resources and big emphasis on that, despite Deliveroo, and and there have been tech uh, successful tech listings after Deliveroo, like Darktrace. But it's also about other markets. So we see that Amsterdam, for example, has been. Um, you know very popular in terms of listings Um, and and so they know there's that option there for some names it will still make sense to go to the US but that is uh, an additional layer of complexity right so you have to uh, comply with SEC uh, requirements you have to you know in terms of accounting investor relations all of that so companies really think twice before doing that cross-border listing or going to
0: the US and I think they often find a suitable home in Europe and you mentioned it a couple of times particularly in relation to deliveroo but the esg credentials of companies has become one of the biggest corporate trends how important is it for investors particularly looking at companies that are looking to ipo what we're hearing from the market is that it's increasingly
1: becoming it's not a nice to have anymore it's a must have it's not something that you know they can add as a a couple of bullet points in their perspectives or or their equity stories, it is at the core of the equity story of their pitch and it has to be thought through. It can't just be an afterthought. And investors are very critical of that and it's on the environmental side and it's also on the corporate governance side. Um, So it's definitely something that companies uh, and investors in particular are paying huge attention because their funds are earmarked. They have to, look at at that, they can't just decide to ignore it. And so that has also driven um, issuance and, and sector activity, for example, with renewables or anything remotely uh, related to sustainability, uh, chemicals, for example, there's a lot there in terms of carbon capture and storage solutions. Uh, so that's definitely something that is impacting the market.
0: And crystal ball gazing, is this level of activity set to continue in the latter part of 2021 and going into 2022?
1: That's the million dollar, trillion dollar question, really. Um, The pipeline is definitely very busy. There are still lots of uh, big names in the pipeline that we expect to come to market soon. And this is the prime issuance time between the US Labor Day and Thanksgiving. Um, There's always a lot of companies trying to to come to market during that window. Now, the key thing is there aren't some signs of investor fatigue and we hear for example investors saying that they just physically cannot get to all deals that are you know expected to come they have to be selective so they are prioritizing the larger deals the high quality names the growth names Um, and, and so there will be some deals that won't be able to to complete successfully the other thing is that as we come to the end of the year investors often become a bit more conservative as they look to close their books towards year ends so that might also impact um activity now for example we have Geely uh, bringing Volvo cars uh, to market that could be a 20 billion dollar company right so that would be a massive deal uh that would definitely you know be the, the blockbuster of, of 2021 uh, and we have a few others as well that that could uh, you know, increase the, these astonishing figures even more. 2022, we also hear that the first six, for the first six months, the pipeline is huge. So, there's definitely a lot there. But of course, you know, there are things like stimulus tapering that could turn that tide and more bouts of volatility, any changes with COVID, for example, all of those could definitely, um, you know, throw a spanner in the works. But the pipeline is there. So, we'll see what happens.
0: Great, Sophia. Thanks very much. Thank you. It was a pleasure. That was Sophia Sakera, ECM Editor for EMEA. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of DealCast presented to you by Merger Market and S, S and C Intralinks. Please rate, review and follow the podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or look out for your MergerMarket News Alert. For more information, check out our show notes. Join us next week for another episode.